Our scripture today comes from Luke 24, verses 1 through 12. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then, as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them, who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths laying by themselves. And he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. Today is Easter Sunday. Um, I like to refer to it better as Resurrection Sunday. It's the day we celebrate the fact that Jesus not only died, but rose from the dead. It is the greatest news of all time. And it is exciting for me to be able to talk today about the truth of the resurrection of Jesus, the ramifications of it, what it means for you and for me. And so today we're going to be looking at different Bible passages as we focus in on the resurrection from the dead. Um, the first thought that I have as I contemplate Jesus rising from the dead is this, unmistakably alive. You see, Jesus um, when he died and when he rose from the dead, he did quite a bit to make sure that it was understood, it was observed, um, it was able to be proven that he did indeed rise from the dead. Um, I love this verse that we already heard read, read once when the women were at the tomb and there were these angelic beings there and they said this to them, then why were you afraid and bowed their faces to the earth? Then they said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Isn't that a great uh, question? It's almost got a bit of a humor to it. Um, the angel said, why do you seek the living among the dead? You see, proof and evidence is precious, isn't it? Um, we want to know deep within our knower that this is true or that is true. In almost every aspect of life, we, we kind of want to operate our lives with this sense of, of um, assurance that what we know and what we believe is true and we've got proof to back it up. Um, I don't know if you knew this, but I can fly tractors in the air. I, I, I know I can. I, I have believed it since I was a little guy that I've got the ability to take a tractor and fly it through the air. Because you see, when I was like two years old and I could hold on to a tractor, I would fly all around the living room. 
Um, I've got vivid memory of being on my little plastic tractor flying around the living room and looking down and seeing both of my parents on the couch watching me and smiling at me as I'm flying all around the living room on my tractor. I believed this for a long time. We're talking well into my teenage years. I had full belief that I could fly tractors through the air because of that vivid memory of seeing my parents on the couch watching me fly through the air. Well, what I didn't, what I failed to misunderstand and not really factor into my belief is that my Uncle Lyle was there flying me and carrying me through the air. But all the proof that I needed had been given to me that I could fly tractors through the air. It's great to have proof. And Jesus decided to give full proof, full evidence that he rose from the dead. In fact, I want to read a couple passages that help us to understand that. In Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, you've got Luke, um, who also wrote the book of Luke. Um, he authored um, the book of Acts, and he says this, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. You see, here we find that Jesus hung around for 40 days after he rose from the dead. He would show up in different settings. There's, there's uh, many different accounts in the scripture of conversations that Jesus had, settings when he was with his disciples, um, settings when he was walking on a road, and he talked to two different uh, people who had become followers of Jesus. Um, we even read in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, during these 40 days, um, we're going to read verses 3 through 8 where it says, For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He was seen by Cephas, also known as Peter, um, then by the twelve, after that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James and by all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen by me also as, as by one born out of due time. You see, here we find Paul speaking in this letter to the Corinthians that Jesus, during these 40 days, he showed up to many different people, different groups of people. He even cites that he showed up to over 500 people. And here at the time he wrote this, he said, some of these 500 people have died, but many of them are still alive and still speak about what they saw, Jesus walking still uh, preaching the good news of, uh, of what he came to do. Um, these, there was these evidence and these people that knew and saw and believed. You see, there's more than enough evidence to believe that Jesus was found living after he had been dead. Um, three days later, he rose from the dead. Um, this is exciting. And, and 
Jesus didn't just do this for his own sake, but he did it for your sake. He did it for my sake. He did it for all who would believe in the resurrection from the dead. Um, the second thought that I have after this idea that he's unmistakably alive is that there is a life granted. You see, he had life. He was eternal. He was from before. Um, he will be till forever to the end. And yet we find here that he gives you and me life. He grants us life. He didn't just raise from the dead for his own sake, but he did it for your sake and for my sake. Um, he didn't just do it to show off that he was some superhero that could raise from the dead like it was some superpower, but he did it for your sake and for mine that we would be granted life. I want to read a few uh, passages. 2 Corinthians 4.14 says, We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. You see, here we find that his raising from the dead is your benefit too. Just as he was raised from the dead, you too will be raised from the dead. Romans 8.11 says this, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. You see, this raising from the dead is not only Jesus raising from the dead, but it's also for you and for me. It's a life granted, eternal life granted. Now, sometimes it's not what you know, but rather it's who you know. You've probably been in experiences like that before where you knew the right person. You knew the person who had the, um, the in somewhere. You knew the person who had the authority somewhere. And because you knew them, because you had favor with them, things worked out for your good. It reminds me of the first time I'm just fresh out of Bible college and I've begun to look for my first position in a church, um, preferably as a youth pastor. I really wanted to work with teenagers. And I had sent my resume to a church several thousand miles from where I was living, but fairly close to where I grew up. And... This church, as it turns out, wasn't even looking for a youth pastor. They knew they needed one, but they weren't really, you know, in financial position. But all of a sudden, my resume showed up, and he wasn't even going to take a look at it. The pastor wasn't. But he saw a name on there. He saw a name of a guy, my friend, Jim Terry, who he had tried to hire before and who he had a lot of admiration and respect for. And because he saw his name on my references, it intrigued him enough to give me a call and to walk through the process and... I landed my first youth pastor job. And I, I look at that and go, it wasn't because of me. There was nothing impressive on my resume. I hadn't done anything at this point. But because I had someone else's name who was known by this employer, it got me an in. Sometimes it's who you know. It's not what you know. I used to go back home and I loved to play golf. I golfed as a teenager and I got to know the owner of the local golf course. And because whenever I would come home, 
I had favor with him. I had worked. I'd spent a lot of time out on the golf course as a high school student. I was given favor to play golf whenever I want to. I could come out there and play for free of charge. It would just say, go on out and have a good time playing. And this lasted for as long as Earl was alive. He would always let me go play. But then he ended up selling away the golf course and he wasn't around anymore and he died. And I go back to that same golf course and I don't get free golf anymore. I pay full price because I don't know anybody who works there anymore. It depended on who I knew. Um, there was the same uh, situation at a church I worked at out in Illinois, and some of the owners of a bowling alley attended our church, and they were leaders in our church, and we had a great relationship. And I would go into the bowling alley and say, oh, Pastor Joe, you can bowl for free. I always got to bowl for free for those couple years that they owned it. And then the day came, they sold the bowling alley. No more favor, pay full price now, because it depends on who you know, not who you are or what you have going for yourself, it's who you know sometimes. Because your merit when it comes to God and when it comes to your afterlife and when it comes to your standing, your merit deserves death. Because you've sinned, because you have fallen short of God's standards, every one of us falls short. We deserve death on our own merit. Also, because of this sin, we have been excluded from heaven. We do not qualify. Everything about who we are and what we've done falls short of a ticket into heavenly afterlife. And so Jesus showed up and he paid the price. He died. He said, I want all the sin of the world to be placed upon me. And I'm going to take the full consequence of sin and I'm going to count it to me. And I'm going to raise from the dead. I'm going to conquer death. I'm going to raise so that I could grant life to everybody else. He didn't just excuse sin. He took it upon himself. This is the, the best news that you and I could ever have. We've got a friend in Jesus who took the penalty of our sin. He paid it completely. He offered us a free payday to have an entrance into eternal life, into a heavenly eternal life in His presence. Our merit, our uh, standing with God, everything about you and me deserve death and exclusion from eternal life. But because of Jesus dying from the cross and raising from the dead, you have been extended entry. You've, it's, it's like when I went to the bowling alley, when Bill and Cindy owned it, I could walk in and bowl for free. It was given to me because of who I knew. And friends, if you know Jesus, if Jesus knows you, if you have confessed your sin to him, if you have got free entry into eternal life, life granted, that's what we have. Um, our friendship with Jesus grants life. Now, I don't know about you, but that is a friendship that's worth every bit of, of dedication, of attention, of worship. Anything I can do to keep this friendship intact is, is everything. Not because of what I do somehow secures a friendship with Jesus, but because of what he's done, I want to give my all to him. I want to live for him. I want to spend time with him every day because this friendship is that important. It's that special. It's given us so much. If you struggle with living for God or walking with him, just remind yourself of what he's done and how important his friendship in your life really is. 
So we've talked a, a little bit about this um, unmistakable truth that Jesus is alive. And we've talked about how we have been granted life. But there's another aspect of this word life and live I want to talk about, and that is this thought. That there is living and lots more living. There is living and lots more living. What do I mean by that? Well, I'm going to let um, our network leader of the Northwest Ministry Network give you a little bit of a hint of what we're talking about. He shared this video with the pastors in our, in our state uh, this week, and I just thought it'd be worthy for us to take a listen to. So would you listen to Don Ross here now? Easter is a season when we celebrate Christ rising from the dead. But this Easter, I want you to think about this. It's not just about Jesus rising from the dead. It's also about you and I being raised from the dead. 2 Corinthians 4 says, we know that the one who raised Jesus from the dead will also raise us up. So the hope that we have is that we will not do all of our living here on earth. That's important to remember, especially during this season when things may be a little tough. You may feel pressure, some tension in your life and ministry. Remember this, to endure means to overcome. Jesus overcame and God raised him from the dead. Let that be a beacon of hope in your life. So no matter what you're facing, it's not the end. You will not do all of your living here on earth. You will come to a place where God will raise you from the dead as well. We'll either hear the trumpet and be raptured with Christ or we'll be raised from the dead to meet him in the air. And we'll hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. So Don mentioned something in that video. He talked about how we are going to do a lot of living and most of our living isn't going to happen here on earth, but it's going to happen in heaven. Most of our living, the living that you and I have been given is going to happen on the other side. It's going to happen um, after we pass away from this earth. Most of our living is going to be lived there. Um, have you ever enjoyed the candy um, now and later? You might recall this from the time when you were a kid. I don't know if you know this, but uh, the now and later candy came out in 1962. That's when it was first um, put into production and out for people to purchase. Um, the Phoenix Candy Company put out the now and later in 1962. And I love the, the kind of the story or the concept behind the now and later. The now and later has um, a softness and a hardness at the same time. When you first put it in your mouth, um, it's going to be pretty hard. It probably is going to stick to your teeth pretty pretty solidly but over time it softens up and it's a candy that's meant to last for a while you enjoy it now and you're going to enjoy it later um, and then it was kind of packaged into several flavors and into a package and so they were meant to last a little while you don't take the whole thing at one time like you might do a Snickers bar or Butterfingers, but you enjoy some now and you enjoy some later. Well, that's kind of reminiscent of the life that you and I have been given. You see, we have been given life now and a whole lot later. We live now and we're going to do a whole lot of living later. I want to read uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3-7. through seven. It says this, 
Praise God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is so good. And by raising Jesus from, the de from death, He has given us new life and a hope that lives on. God has something stored up for you in heaven where it will never decay or be ruined or disappear. You have faith in God whose power will protect you until the last day. Then He will save you just as He has always planned to do. On that day, you will be glad, even if you've had to go through many hard trials for a while. Your faith will be like gold that has been tested in a fire. And these trials will prove that your faith is worth much more than gold that can be destroyed. They will show you, I'm sorry, they will show that you will be given praise and honor and glory when Jesus Christ returns. In this passage, we find references to both living now and living later. What does it look like? What is kind of the features of living now? You see, when Christ died, when he rose from the dead, he did it so that you would have life now and that you would be able to um, lean on him, be filled with his life-giving spirit, that we don't just sit around waiting to die. We just don't sit around in misery, but rather God gives us life. He gives us the opportunity to have a relationship with him, to have a relationship with the world around us. He gives us mission and purpose. He gives us something to be involved in. He wants us to live now. It's not like we are just only living for then. We live now. And a few words that pop out in that passage of scripture about our living now that we can hold on to. One is he talks about hope. He said in verse three that he has given us new life and a hope that lives on. You see, you and I can live with hope. That means that hope is really this assurance of what's to come. And how exciting is that? Maybe you can think about a time you were planning a trip. Um, you were going to go somewhere. You were going to enjoy the beach or you were going to enjoy the mountains. You had these big plans. And part of the fun of planning a trip is planning the trip. You are looking forward to it. You're, you got all your plans put in place and you're, you, you, know, you look at your options and you make some decisions and all this stuff is part of the fun. It's a hope. It's a hope that you have about what is to come. And you see, you and I, we get to live with a hope about what is to come. Um, it also talked about in one of these verses here about protection. In verse five, it says, you have faith in God whose power will protect you until the last day. And so you and I can walk through this life, this living that we're doing now with a sense of assurance that God is with us, that he's walking with us, um, that even though there will be trial, we know that it's all within God's protection. It's all within God's provision, his plan, his purposes. Um, therefore, we can walk not with fear, but we can walk with this sense of God's presence with us. And so we're not just simply like going, oh, well, God's absent until the day we die and then we go to heaven. No, God's with us now with this sense of protection. Another thing that we can count on is trials. It says here in the scripture that we are going to go through trials. Verse 6 says that we will have hard trials. And you go, well, that's a part of living I don't really want. And I can understand that feeling. However, trials as part of the living now aspect of living, um, it produces faith. 
Our trials help us to actually draw near to God. So as we're walking this life with trials in the middle of it, it pushes us into a trust relationship with God. It it pushes us to seek God. It pushes us to, to want to spend time with Him because as you are going through trials and you're watching people around you suffer or you've got you know anxiety about something that's coming, how I'm going to pay that bill, whatever it might be, you run to God. And so your relationship with God, your daily walk with Him is being strengthened. That's part of living now, is walking with God now, and that trust relationship being developed. But then we also find laced in the scripture in 1 Peter aspects of living then. What's to come? We live now, we live later. What's the living later? What are some of the attributes of the living that's to come later? Well, one of the words that was put into the scripture was the word glad. When, when he comes, you will be glad. I, the, you know, there's a lot of you know, old time songs that talk about how good it will be, how glad we will be. Oh, what a day it will be when we um, stand before our Father, when we are entered into heaven, when we're entered into eternal life, we will be glad. A lot of it is because of some of the living now is kind of tough. And so when we experience what the living later is going to be like, it's going to be exciting. We're going to be glad. Another couple words that are there, that there's going to be no decay or no ruin. Boy, aren't you kind of tired of all of the ruin and the decay and the way things fall apart here in life, whether you're talking about relationships or material things or your bank account, all of this stuff is vulnerable. But when we get to start living then, nothing will decay, nothing will ruin, nothing will wear out. You're going to be so tired of the shoes you're wearing because they don't wear out. That's just the way living is going to be then. Um, talks about gold. He, he, he mentions how um, there, that the experience we have is going to be even better than gold that will, that will wear out here, but there the living will not wear out. It will have this eternal value. And then he talks about that we will receive praise and honor and glory. These are words that I only reserve for God, but here it talks about how we are actually going to be living in a state of praise and honor and glory. So I think there's going to be a lot of validation. There's going to be a lot of um, you know things that we're going to be um, proud of and excited about. I think we're going to be feeling like the treasure that we really are in God's sight. Did you know that God sees you as treasure? I mean, he saw you so much treasure, he was willing to die on a cross for you. He was willing to pay for your relationship in a brutal fashion on the cross. That's how much he values you. And when you get to heaven, you're going to feel that value. So that we've got a lot to be not only living for now, but living for to come. It's going to be pretty exciting. So in conclusion, I just want to read these words of Jesus. John 10.10, he says this, The thief, really referring to the enemy of our souls, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. 
Maybe you say, that feels a lot like the life I've been living so far. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I came so that you would have life and have it abundantly. I love that he, in this passage of Scripture, says that you would have life and have it abundantly. It's like you're going to have life now, and you're going to have it abundantly to come. Um, life now and life later. Um, some of you have not been living life now. You have been on some sort of a delay cycle. You've been waiting to live. Maybe you've been waiting to die. Maybe you've just been holding on until the day that Jesus calls you home. And you've been failing to live now. You've not been walking in God's plans and purposes and opportunities. Uh, you've, you've, you've kind of bailed on relationships. You've just been holding out for the living that's to come. And I want to call you out of that. I want to call you back to life. I want to call you back to living um, the way Jesus intends for you to live. Maybe you've been just waiting for heaven, ne neglecting God's today life for you. Maybe it's filled with excuses that things are too hard um, or that you're too distracted or um, I'll get to it later. I'll, I'll start living here as soon as it's not as hard to do so. I don't know what excuses you have right now, but I want to call you to resurrection life now to living now. Um, some of you maybe um, have neglected or you've missed the fact that there is a life to come. Maybe you've never heard that Jesus came to give you eternal life. Maybe this is a whole new message for you. I want to let you know that there is more to life than what you're experiencing today, but there is an abundant life an eternal life that is coming on the day you breathe your last. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, He did all the work. He paid the penalty. He died on the cross. And now He's reaching out to you and you simply say, Yes, I want to receive life. I want to receive eternal life. Maybe for you, though, you've heard the good news of Jesus, but you've failed to realize the kind of living that's coming. Maybe you've, you know, put the same kind of excuses in your way. Ah, it's too hard to walk with God. It's too hard to be a Christian. I'm too distracted. I've got too many other things going on. Or maybe you've taken this excuse. I'll get to it later. Right now, I'm having too much fun with this and that and all these other things. And this whole Christian life, that's just going to have to wait till later. Friends, I want to let you know that Jesus is calling you to live for Him now. And as you live for Him now, you're prepping yourself for the living that's coming. And I want to invite you into life. That's what this message has all been about. Jesus came back to life to give you life and to give it more abundantly. So would you pray with me? Would you dedicate your heart on this Easter Sunday, this Resurrection Sunday? Give your heart fresh to Him, no matter what perspective or place or experience you're coming from. Would you let this Resurrection Sunday be a time of new life, new beginnings, new focus on Him and the life He's carved out for you? Father, I thank You for every person who's watching and listening to this right now, Lord. You know their place. You know their heartache. You know their triumphs. You know um, the perspective they have. But Lord God, one thing I know is that you came 
to die, but you came to rise from the dead. And not only did you come to rise from the dead and show off your awesome power, but Lord, you came to raise us from the death that our sins deserve. And Lord, you came to give us life and to give it abundantly. Lord, you gave, you came to give us a living today, but also a living that is to come. And so Lord, I pray that you would receive um, each and every one, Lord, who are reaching out to you right now, each and every one who's saying, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Each one who's saying, Lord Jesus, I want to start living today. And Lord Jesus, I want to live on the day that I die. Lord God, I pray that, that, that each and every one would experience a newfound life in Jesus today. And Lord God, you would use our testimony, you would use our words, you would use our experiences to, to uh, communicate the life that you came to give us. And Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.